Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Week four of the 2023 NFL season and fantasy football and best ball season are just about in the books. And we saw multiple first round picks explode in week four. A couple offenses, some pretty nice games. A couple offenses, Cincinnati, not so nice. We're going to get into all that here today on Monday Night Best Ball on Spike Week. Let's do it. So, Rob, I'm sitting and watching the games yesterday, having played um, a particular individual in in DFS. Spoiler, it didn't go well. And all I can sit there thinking about, which tells you about how warped my brain is, is the fact that all summer, all you did was complain about how you could never get your hands on the pick that allowed you to get this player, (laughs) Jamar Chase, all summer. And I'm sitting there with as much money invested in this one stupid DFS slate where I played this guy against the Tennessee Titans, watching the Bengals score another whopping three points and just look like the worst team in the NFL and just sitting thinking, you know, it's really tilting that Rob wanted to have all of the Jamar Chase and the fantasy gods blessed him with none of it, basically, as the Bengals lay another stinker and um, they will be something we'll definitely talk about today. I am very worried. And um, I think a lot of people should be worried about the old Bengals and any Bengals bags that you might have, but that was the downside of, of week four. There was a lot of other good stuff, lots of big performances that we'll also get to here today. But uh, how was week four for you? Best ball, DFS, everything, watching the games, any of that fun stuff. This was the best week so far for me all around i had one really bad 2v2 if i had i was so mad at myself when the tournament kicked off and this is going to sound like hindsight but when i tell you it i finished like 15th or something i think in the double spy yesterday the 200 double spy so i made Mm -hmm. like 600 in that hit on a couple other lineups but in the double spy i had josh kelly chargers defense And I was back and forth on that with Kyron Williams Ravens defense. And I was playing, and this is where like the rust is still there a little bit on DFS. Kyron Ravens was the play no matter what there because I had a Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown, Terry McLaurin bring back. So Kyron 
was fine and my brain was still going to ownership stuff yep and it's like okay we made a we made a lot of money shout out to drafters by the way giving me a 55 dollars ticket finished third in that tournament nice so that was nice um Thanks, Chris Olave. Catch more passes. Unbelievable. We'll talk about them too. They're they're also <laughs> on my fucking shit list uh, for this first month. But yeah, I mean, not having a ton of Jamar Chase and having over twenty percent AJ Brown felt really, 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 really good yesterday. Is what I'll say. Um, so thanks for giving me all the late picks, fantasy football gods, best ball yeah. gods. Yeah, seriously. Um, I, I will, of course, get into all the games, all the impacts of everything that happened. It's looking like no true, like major, major injuries, seemingly for the first week ever. I know we had a bunch of guys get dinged up. Um, T. Higgins is already supposedly trying to push to play this week, so hopefully, you know, fingers crossed that he's not uh, hurt. But it looked, it seemed worse. Uh, Cracked seemed- rib, right? Yeah, it fractured rib, I believe. Um, the worst. <laughs> a good, good shouts to him for playing through that. Um, if he does, I, I I would be surprised, but they're in must win mode really right now every week for a while. So maybe he will push to play. Kenny Pickett. Uh, I haven't seen any updates on uh, MRI results, but I saw that they were optimistic that it was not, or they don't believe that he blew out his knee. So that's, he'll probably miss some time and it might be a lost season for the old Steelers here I too s- pretty quick. <laughs> I saw before we went on that he's going to push to play this week, but realistically they have the bye week the following week. So my guess is he sits out this week, gets the bye week, and then we'll see what happens with him at that point. Yeah. We call that the Austin Eckler where everybody's like, Oh, he's going to push to play. He's going to try to play. And you're like, guys, they got a bye next week and they're playing the Raiders. Uh, I think that, (laughs) I think if they can't win this one, the season was probably without Eckler, the season probably wasn't going to go very well anyway. Um, there was a couple of other injuries that I'm probably forgetting, but again, nothing super, super nothing, that's nice. Nothing yeah, like nothing nothing, crazy. nothing broke the broke the fantasy landscape like we've had in so many of these weeks so far. So that is nice. Sorry and to then, the Seahawks and Giants tonight. Because yeah, that's, yeah, that's the jinx. Hopefully, you don't have a lot of those guys because we've definitely mushed something bad happening in tonight's game. Then I need lots of Seattle. I have tons and tons of Seahawks across uh, all my teams. It would be nice if you know that uh, first round superstar prospect rookie, you know. Got a couple targets. That would be fun. A usable week once, just once. I'm not asking for 30. I would like a usable week would be very cool from a, a really talented uh, wide receiver. But lots of those, what there's lots of really talented wide receivers not putting up usable weeks so far this season. And of course, we'll get to all that. But the kind of big thing that has definitely happened this week to me was a lot of the first round picks and the superstars kind of doing what they do. Um, you can kind of run all the way down the list down to the the Josh Jacobs and the Derrick Henrys having bounce back games. And obviously Justin Jefferson just doing what Justin Jefferson does. Christian McCaffrey showing. Uh, I had somebody, I, I, I apologize if it was even somebody watching or I've had, I can't keep track of all the different comments and everything that I see or articles that I read. And somebody mentioned that they were concerned about Christian McCaffrey's ceiling as a 49er because he, he never really put up a monster you know he he scores like 25 every week or 30 but he never does you know the totally nuclear week and then poof uh we see that we we see christian mccaffrey in san francisco is christian mccaffrey in san francisco exactly like we all expected the guy is a superstar and uh has nearly unmatched you know him and just the the jeffersons and tyreeks and such of the world with that kind of ceiling 
AJ Brown, as you mentioned, with an absolutely monster game capped off by the long touchdown. Um, was that the game winner or that they kicked a field goal? I can't remember, but he, he had a long touchdown fairly late, a second one to get to nine for 170 something and two. Stefan Diggs with an absolutely monster game with three touchdowns. Um, I'm forgetting some. some Mark touchdowns. Andrews got two touchdowns. And thank God. this is, we got to talk about tight ends again today because it is worse than we expected we thought it might be bad we were slightly optimistic but we're gonna have to hit on that the cmc thing we kind of hit on this over the summer i'm not saying that we ever said to take cmc over jefferson or chase because that didn't come out of either of our mouths but one of the points we were bringing up with cmc was he his usage as a 49er last year only tailed off when they were up big and that's when elijah mitchell was getting all the work and this year, it's just, I mean, I know Mitchell didn't play yesterday, but they're just relying on CMC heavy. This is like, you can see them going for it this year, right? Like they're, they're throwing everything against the wall to win the Super Bowl this year. Yep. And that includes C- throwing CMC to the wolves just to get as much usage out of him as they absolutely can to make sure that they're winning. Lock up this division. They got to go lock up this division and then let Jordan Mason and Eli Mitchell do it later. Because yeah, they like you said, Shani is not pulling any punches with old CMC. So no, not at all. So they, they're just getting whatever they can out of him. But I still think that we had the right process, and I don't know if this is where you want to start. Just based on the way drafts were going, I still think CMC 3 to 5 was probably right, mm-hmm. even though I I personally like CMC over Cup and Tyreek. I was still mixing them all about, and like my my ownership is like 8 to 10% on all three of those guys Yeah, because I just didn't want to – it's I didn't want to take a hard stand there. And I, as we all know, I will take hard stands, but I just, I, I really like CMC a lot. I kind of wish I took a little bit harder of a stand on him in that spot, but I understand the thought process as to why I didn't, why most didn't. And it was the way drafts were breaking where we felt like we had to get that wide receiver early. And I still don't think it was completely wrong. I mean, obviously, results oriented. He had four touchdowns yesterday. By the way, he's not doing that every week. <laughs> Could have had but five. I, per, Purdy snuck. Purdy they they yeah. snuck it in with Purdy on the last one. I thought he was going to get five. Another reason why I didn't make as much money as I could have yesterday. I could have sustained a two touchdown CMC game. Hard to sustain <laughs> the four touchdown CMC <laughs> right. game, right? So, I, I think the process was probably still right as of now. I think this is one of those things we want to asterisk though and go back at the end of the year and see if it actually matters in the first round if you are taking a running back or wide receiver for structure or if you can still build around more hero RB teams with a guy like CMC. But he's also such an outlier, just such an outlier at the position that I'm not going to say we're never going to see his production levels again, but, dude, it's going to be hard to ever get another CMC in the league. Like he souped up, he souped up DeAndre Swift. Like this is what we wanted Swift to be. Swift will never be it. I can't see any other guy totally being what he is. We were hoping Pollard was and Pollard's, I think Pollard's running slightly bad just because of how good that defense is right now. But (laughs) even at, even at like optimal run out, I don't think Pollard would ever be CMC. And I just don't know if we're going to see it again. So I wonder if when we see, special special players like that with jefferson with cmc i think they are 
the two most special players in the league right now. You just if they're on the board. You just snap take going forward. Yep. And I, so I'll, I'll go back through kind of my rankings process for all of the, the, what you just, what you just mentioned. And A, at the, at the end of the day, what I will say is it's really easy right now to say, okay, Cooper cup hasn't played because he got hurt and Jamar chase, the Bengals are so bad that Jamar chase can't do anything. So it, you're like, well, yeah, now I can say, I'm not saying you, but I'm saying it's natural human brain to be like, Oh yeah, I should have just taken Jefferson or Tyreek or, or CMC. Right. It, it feels easy now, but you know, in May, June, July, whatever Cooper cup was healthy, fresh off of just another insane. I know he only played 10 or 12 games or whatever, but you know, he was the wide receiver one through that time. And Matthew Stafford's back and we're seeing what Matt, look at what Puka's doing. <laughs> we're seeing what Puka is doing. You know, you probably just would have slotted cup in for right. The wide receiver two behind Jefferson or Tyreek or whatever. Anyway, my whole thing that I feel really good about no matter where exposure landed or where you ended up racking and stacking those top five guys, but it was that there is a top five. And I don't think that that was always the consensus either. Some people, and now I know Eckler has also been hurt, so I don't want to necessarily throw shade at people who really loved Austin Eckler, but I had him in a tier after that. I even had Kelsey in a tier after that, right? Diggs, AJ Brown, whatever. All those guys came there after that clear top five, which was Jefferson Chase, CMC, Tyreek, and Cup. The order, so I never moved the top two. Jefferson and Chase, they just stayed one, one, two. And there's multiple reasons for that, not just rankings, but also, like you said, once I identified that clear top five, I didn't really want to be locked out of any of them because like they were they were in a tier of their own. I don't I don't really care to take a big stand against them. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but that was the process. As the summer unfolded, I actually started with Cup third and Tyreek fourth and CMC fifth because of what you said. I was like, oh my gosh, look at all these running backs, right? Look at all these running backs that I can get later and look at, look at the wide receivers by round four. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I, Amari Cooper and Jerry Judy are the best wide receivers I can get at the three, four turn. Yeah. Like that's not, that's not great. So when I started mapping out the two V2s, you're like Tyreek or a cup, you know, CM, it's not, it wasn't even a CMC thing. Then cup gets hurt. He, we, we move him down the ranks and then it was Tyreek or CMC at three. And I think that that process no matter where it landed you, I think if you kind of went through that kind of whole exercise that you just outlined and identified kind of that top five, say if you want to include Kelsey Eckler somewhere close to there, whatever, that's fine. But I think that that top five really distinguished themselves there at the top and it will get you to the kind of the right process. I think exactly how your exposures line up. Hey, there's a little variance to that. You have to have a top five pick basically to get one of those guys cup ends up falling that we, that we can't necessarily project whatever. But I think, it's a good example of like the whole process over results things. Like I'm not mad at my Jamar chase teams. I'm not mad at my Cooper cup teams, but I am I'm, of course <laughs> not happy looking at them down in 12th place, but I am uh, <laughs> like comfortable when you go back and run through the process that got you there. And I think that's the, the really, really important part where we get to this part of the season and everybody's just, you know, it's right or wrong. You were right or wrong on the, on every single player, as opposed to the whole process to get through it. And um, that's where I'm starting to feel better. Like my advance rates are basically like stone average, like right at it. Expecting across all the sites. I'm doing pretty well on drafters, uh, but DK and underdog are totally so, so because I have a bunch of total duds and, and then a bunch of big hits. And like, that just kind of balances itself out and you hope to have a, a good team but I'm continuing to try to make sure we're 
I'm thinking through like that whole process. And I think that top five in CMC is a really, a really good one that a lot of people just, I think, throw out the window once the season starts. The, the other thing that I want to think about going forward, just because we're talking about this top five structure stuff, is the other thing that I was doing that I brought up a few times was pulling the few guys towards the end of the draft up into that top, that three, four, five spot. I did it with AJ Brown more than anybody. And I also did it with Amonra a little bit later in the season as well. And I obviously CMC scored a ton of points. So yesterday, and this is a one week results oriented type argument, if you want to call it that, but I'm kind of trying to look at it from the whole season. And I actually like that. I have 20% AJ Brown, but some of it is with him pulled up yeah. to the third round. It's actually better with my Amon Ra shares because I have like 10% Amon Ra and I did it more often than taking him where he was going. So I just getting those unique combinations of AJ Brown of Amon Ra. I wish I was doing it with digs. I was a little uncomfortable with that situation. And I also think that you can only do it with certain amount of players as well. So identifying who you'd like to do that with the one or two players towards the back of the draft in a spot that you're comfortable. Maybe the third was bad. Maybe it should have been the fourth. Maybe it should have been clearly Jefferson chase CMC. Then you can play with that four spot. And like, I like Tyreek. I mean, he's crushing obviously, but if you felt a little uncomfortable about that and that's your delineation point, maybe right. that's good. I don't know. So I got to figure that out for next year as well as we, establish another top three top four top five next year what is that who can i bring up when i can, can i bring them up how can i get these players unique but i feel really good i haven't even looked to see if those particular aj brown teams are advancing but i just know that i did it and i'm like at least i know that some of these aj brown teams are different than other aj brown teams some of these amon Ra teams are different than other amon Ra teams and if they get through I like having that edge for the playoff formats and hell on drafters. I like it too, because now I'm like, if I'm in the middle of the field and my AJ Brown, how team are you going to get up than, there? Right. Is different than all the others. It might even be better on drafters to be completely honest. That's something else to think about. So this is, this is where my brain goes on Sundays as I'm watching teams and upset about my two V two of Kyron Williams and the Ravens D versus you know, Josh Kelly, the worst running back in the league with the Chargers defense. Yep. I played Josh Kelly as well. He's dead to me. I was uh, cheerfully like I was celebrating. I don't mean celebrating the injury, but we have, I drafted one main event team on FFPC and uh, drafted uh, a quasi zero running back. So not total zero running back, but Brees and Dobbins, Brees in the fourth and Dobbins in the sixth. And uh, clearly that has gone very well. Um and but needed desperately needed Josh Kelly needed a running back to be able to slot in to the RB2 and it was like fist pump when uh, all right one thank god we made one more we'll figure out RB2 again next next week but I just it's a it's a total disaster every single week and I'm like why we have Chuba Hubbard I think he outscored him by like four points I'm like I could have just fucking played played it did not gonna matter but it's one of those things where uh Josh Kelly you know, yeah, not going to be results oriented uh, too, too long. He did have a one good game when Eckler was there. Maybe he needs Eckler. You know, sometimes Maybe. that happens, right? Yeah. Sometimes you, you need that other guy to be kind of the lightning to your thunder to, to open some things up for him. It's clearly not going very, very well. Um, but just to piggyback on your uh, two things, uh, 
not to make the whole conversation about CMC, but I also think it's one of those uh, really interesting because uh, it's also not just with CMC, but interesting offensive situations where if anybody plays like NBA DFS or whatever you um, or NBA fantasy, right? You have a situation where when a player is out, right, for rest purposes, or you know Kawhi Leonard, the king of sitting out for for rest, <laughs> he yeah. sits out. Paul George, right? Terrence Mann, Norman Powell, whatever. That the guys come in and like they're the best plays because right now you have a $4,500 backup guard who's starting and going to play 10 more minutes than he normally does, right? It's a projection, a little bit more of a projection, playing time, volume, accumulation sport. Football is event-based, right? It's much more like baseball than people will give it credit for because we just think, oh, look at the, this guy projects for this many carries and this many targets or whatever and match that up right to his to his price add in a a little touchdown you know uh boost whatever and you get reasonably accurate projections but like if you don't score a touchdown none of that shit really matters you know other than cmc who catch you know is going to catch passes and and uh get a bunch of yards regardless but he's not going to score 50 fantasy points without touchdowns right why did he have a big game because he scored four touchdowns you have to score the touchdowns and so you need those events, the touchdowns, to really win you stuff. With the 49ers specifically, they are a little bit like an NBA team on offense where when they are missing a guy or a guy is banged up or whatever, like I know Ronnie Bell had the one touchdown on the showdown slate or whatever that, that it was, but like Jawan Jennings ain't stepping in for 10 targets, right? When and I know he was out this week too, but like Ronnie Bell's not getting 10 targets. Danny Gray, I I don't even know if he's on the team anymore. Like these guys are not getting the ball, right? Like Jordan Mason played a couple of snaps because CMC needed a a, a sip of water from, from carrying the team on his back for so long. Like Debo was played, but clearly not a hundred percent. I don't even know why he was active in this game, to be totally honest with you, basically not playing, not involved in the offense. So look what happened. Christian McCaffrey, 50 ball, Brandon Ayuk, like 160 yards. The whole offense flowed through them. Now Kittle got left behind, but some weeks it'll be Kittle, right? Some weeks it's like, okay, maybe they shut down CMC in the run game and Debo's banged up. It's Ayuk and it's Kittle. And there's so many benefits to that. That's why when people do the, how can you draft all those players on that offense so highly? They can't all possibly get there at that price. It's like, it doesn't work that way. And this week with the 49, this whole, we're a month in. Every 40 Kittle didn't have a big game, but he scored 16, which is big for big for a tight end. For a tight, big for a tight end. He had a uh, he's had a couple, I think, two like usable weeks. Ayuk week one, absolutely nuts, right? CMC is just steady every week, and then the big one this week. CMC steady. Ayuk big week one, big week four. Obviously missed a game. When he missed, Kittle pops up. Debo has a monster week, right? Yeah. It's like there's value in that now you're not drafting all of them on the same team. Sometimes you'll run bad on the gut, right? Debo gets hurt. Shit. That team's done. But if you draft all of the 49ers, you're going to across your portfolio of 150 hundreds, whatever, however many teams you're going to get that benefit. And it's like, we, we, we assume there's not going to be chaos and anarchy all summer. Cause it's hard to imagine it before it happens. And then we're a month in, and I'm not even talking about the Nick Chubbs and the, you know, those kinds of injuries, just the little nuances, right? Mike Williams, the, the little like, oh, Debo missed a week. Hm, okay. You really want CMC and Ayuk that week. Oh, Ayuk missed. Guess what? Debo, you really want him that week. It's like all that stuff happens throughout the course of the season. You just hope it plays out in your, your favor, but it's important over the summer when we're like, 
all the 49ers are going in the top five rounds. How could that possibly be? And why doesn't that mean Brock Purdy's undervalued? It's like not necessarily, right? Like there's nuance to all of that. And so this week just, it, it really had me thinking about that uh, with the 49ers because we're through four weeks and that's, it's been the 49ers story ever since week one is it's just ping ponging amongst all these guys sometimes, oftentimes because someone's not healthy. So that's something that I was thinking about throughout as well. The other thing I was thinking about with the 49ers is we were catching a lot of shit in the off season by some people that, well, you don't really want 49ers because they're playing the Washington commanders in week 17 you know, because everyone was a fucking weather expert in June of what was going to happen. Well, and everybody knows June. who the best defenses are, right? We've, right. we've figured we figured that part out. That's yeah. solved. Yeah. 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 So all that and the two I don't games know who that... the best defenses are now. We're a month in and I can't tell nobody. you who the best defenses are. There nobody are nobody's, nobody's good on defense. No. Um, and the, the point that I, I was going to bring up is that game is looking really good for week 17 right now. Right. And we're talking about tight ends. We're talking about matchups and stuff like that. You know who's going to win the $3 million and you're going to shake your head when I see it, when I say it. The other game everyone was shitting on was Atlanta, Chicago, because, because of weather, because Atlanta's slow pace, because Chicago's slow pace. Chicago, buddy, is an offensive dream right now. You just want to be. Field. Yeah, that's the new. Coors Field is Coors Field, and the Chicago Bears is Coors Field because those Denver Broncos are garbage as well. But that Atlanta game, I know that they try to run slow, slow pace and stuff, but they're going to th- still throw the ball some. And I won't be shocked if it's Kyle Pitts on the winning, you know, team because it's the one week he actually goes off is week 17. So you drag Kyle Pitts to the finals and he gets two touchdowns because it's the freaking Chicago Bears. And you're just going kind to of running back with DJ Moore or something like that, or one of the mm-hmm. running backs, because the game's just shooting out. And you're like, okay, the two games that we didn't expect to shoot out are the biggest scoring games of this week. I can see that definitely happening. The commanders offensively look like in terms of like pushing teams is going to be great. And the 49ers have not been pushed yet. I know Arizona hung with them yesterday, mm-hmm. but they still didn't push the 49ers the way that I want to see the 49ers offense push. So just a lot of things to be thinking about as we get, you know, a quarter of the way through the season yesterday. And those were some of the things that I'm, excited about because i have a lot of atlanta with chicago i have a lot of commanders with the 49ers i faded some of the other games that people had taken and i still kind of feel good about it right i i mean mm-hmm. that colts raiders game i'm still fine that i don't have a lot of that you know it could, i'm not saying it can't bite me in the ass absolutely can but i'm happy to have these other games with these teams that just can't perform and there's no fixing chicago this year they just can't they're not gonna be able to fix that. There's no fixing Denver like defensively enough to to you know and Russ they, they've given up a hundred points. They've given up a hundred points in the last two weeks. Yeah. A hundred. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, what a crazy game that was yesterday. And to Hacker's point, what the the other thing I was thinking about when I was watching the Broncos play, I was like, Chargers are gonna win all the money. Yep. Like, char- Chargers are winning all the money this year. That Broncos Chargers um, week seventeen stuff, you get those teams through. It's just, it's just gonna win all the goddamn money this year. It is a good uh, kind of segue into some of these these other spots, but like how and uh, I promise Cobra Kai, I'm gonna get to your questions and comments in the chat because it's kind of what I'm gonna bring up here. But where 
we we make all these sweeping assumptions. And again, I, I'm I'm not even meant trying to say that I'm making a sweeping assumption in, uh, right now about any of this. Things, the things that we're talking about right now, the things that we talk about every Monday on this show, a they change week to week, mm-hmm. and b like if last week, the Commanders, as you mentioned. Uh, had their worst offensive game, got absolutely destroyed. Nine sacks, four turnovers or four or five turnovers for Howell. Horrible. They got destroyed by the Bills, right? And it looks like, ah, crap. The offensive line and Howell's, the way Howell plays and takes a lot of sacks, this is this is bad. And it's, you know, and they got the Eagles next week, you know, one of the best pass rush in the NFL. And look, look what happened. They, I mean, they could have won. They, they nearly did win, actually. They should have went for two, by the way, when they scored the touchdown with no time left at the end. Uh, uh, on the road in Philly, you're a massive... Riverboat Ron. Ron. Yeah, Riverboat Coward. Ron, my Coward ass. Ron. Yeah, we need a new nickname. <laughs> Total nonsense. Uh, just, just anyway. But they So they should have gone for it. But, I mean, Hal throws for almost 300 yards. He had a couple awesome runs showing. Like, he's a really good runner. We, Terry McLaurin is still awesome. At football, yeah. I know he's kind of dominating things now, and Dotson's kind of a secondary guy, Curtis Samuel getting a lot more work. But point being, all these guys are useful, and that's what we talked about all summer. Is like if Howell can just be competent, or if he's so incompetent that Jacoby Brissett comes in and he can just be competent, they got dudes, man. Um, and I think <laughs> I think we might just need to bury Antonio Gibson, but everybody else, B Rob, all those guys look really appealing. And that was something where you know, I don't think that the market was really keen on that and then as you mentioned the week 17 things like oh the 49ers defense is too good it's like the 49ers defense is strong but you don't score zero fantasy points against the 49ers defense right the cardinals pushed them the like to a certain extent the cardinals pushed them the rams the rams you know these these offenses are pushing them that are not amazing if the 49ers are going to score points also by the way the 49ers corners and secondary is bad Uh, There's a reason why Michael Wilson, who, uh, uh, as Jonathan Coe brings up, how about those Arizona bringbacks to those Eagles decks? You got Michael Wilson. You got, you know, I can't imagine they're still trotting Ertz out there later, you know, but the the Rondale had a a big game last week. These games that if you really are trying to, to, to predict exactly who can and cannot score because the defense is too good in week 17, we're seeing this already. And so it's another one of those good reminders, like with the top five thing in terms of the process stuff, I know we all get enamored with it and get enamored with certain games. Right. But doesn't chiefs chiefs Bengals look a lot different now that everybody, mm-hmm. right. That's that came out and it was like, Oh my God, chiefs Bengals. We got to go all in the ADP's got moved up. You saw our projected ownership. We did shows over the summer about projected ownership. Every one of the top projected owned player pairings was Chiefs, some form of Chiefs Bengals, because everybody was just enamored with that game from a correlation perspective. The Bengals might be tanking by the end of this year, dude. They're one of the worst teams right now in the NFL. It could go totally south. Plus, the Chiefs defense, frankly, is better. I know they got cooked up by by Zach Wilson last night, but the Chiefs defense has been better, whereas other defenses have been worse, right? Some offenses are better mentioned uh, as Cobra Kai has been talking about here, segue into the Texans, one of the biggest surprises of, of the year. Also, their defense is also a little bit better than we probably thought that they were going to be, but the Texans, right? CJ Stroud is just much better than we thought. Nico can play. Tank Dell can play. Robert Woods is not great, but he's not totally dust. You know, th- this is with a, no offensive line. So like all these things that we, we over the summer that we thought we're going to be wrong about, I'm wrong about most of the shit, <laughs> but that's the point is 
assessing everything and making sure you're like not being overconfident, especially the team level takes. Like, I think you can say confidently, like which players, you know, within reason are like really good and really bad. There's a lot of middle ground, but like in terms of like defenses and like weather and all that kind of stuff, like buddy, like it, I don't think it's worth your time. And I think we're like literally already seeing this. Look at all these teams. We thought were going to be horrible and they're not bad. And look at all these teams. We thought were going to be good and they're horrible. And we, and we also need some defense to be played in these week 17 matchups because high scoring games usually correlate with turnovers and getting short fields and stuff like that. So now you don't want to play like the Ravens or the 85 bears defense or something like that, but we can name the years that those defenses were around because they were such outliers, Legion of boom, that type of stuff. Like they, we just don't often have outlier defenses like that. And especially right. now. So if you can tell me that a defense is going to be decent enough that they're going to get sacks, they're going to cause short fields and stuff like that. It's like, great. Cause that means that their offense is going to score a bunch of points. Most likely. I mean, the Dallas one is the outlier this year where the defense is scoring fucking two touchdowns a game. They keep swearing a lot this one, but it's just, it's so annoying. Like it, but like it feels unsustainable at the moment. So that's the one that, like, if I'm worried about anything, it's the Dallas game week 17 because the offense gets to take off the whole game. <laughs> and even with that one, so three out of four games, the defense has done this. What happened in the other one? What if it's that one? Yeah, the Cardinals beat them. <laughs> yeah, the Cardinals, the Cardinals beat them, and they move the ball every drive. Yeah. I know it's maybe a little fluky, Diggs, but also like the Cowboys did lose Trevon Diggs. Um, you know, so I know that they dominated again this week against the Patriots, but they've played some bad offenses. And yes, they've caught. They're, they're gonna force turnovers. Their pass rush is too good, right? That's just how. That's just yeah. how it goes. But also, sometimes you don't get home, or sometimes you know the secondary is okay for them. It's not the best part of their defense. Look what happens. The Cardinals ring up a bunch of points on them. Josh Dobbs is running on them and throwing on them and Rondale's ripping long runs. And like, it was just incredible what the Cardinals did to them. So like there's variance. Even I feel confident that the Cowboys defense is good. And I also would agree with you that I am, if I get to week 17 and I got a, my main game stack is a Cowboys game stack. I'm not feeling very good about it, but you also never know. Sometimes you get that game where I the mean, Cardinals Detroit too. So yeah. it's like, let's hope they get a turnover or two. Let's just hope they don't house it. And then we're getting short fields and we're getting Detroit launching the ball all over the field. The entire game feels great, right? Like that's what, yep. that's kind of what we want. We just don't want them to house every single one. So I, I think the point, I think, that is maybe one of the biggest takeaways this year is as soon as somebody starts bringing up week 17 weather, I'm just going to start rolling my goddamn eyes from now on <laughs> in June, right? Like I'm not saying a few days out, but like if you start telling me you're worried about a weather situation and it's June 7th and I'm only drafting my 43rd best ball mania team <laughs> and you're like, I'm just really worried about this Browns jets game because the weather is historically bad in cleveland and i think it's going to be a windstorm it's like shut up just shut up what are we doing here like yeah it's a possibility but so is a clear normal day in chicago i mean in cleveland or whatever yeah we prefer dome games but to go away from some of these teams because of it and because of defense like in an industry where we're looking at analytics feels like bad analytics right like there's bad chalk there's this is right 
this is probably a bad process is what I would say. And it's probably why we haven't built in a weather model into our spike week rankings. It's like, yeah. you know, Terry McLaurin, you should be a fifth rounder, but because he's playing outside week 17, <laughs> maybe you should make him a sixth rounder. And if we do that, you know, like it, I think it just goes too far on that spot. Yep. I totally agree. Um, and here, here's a, a hypothetical for you. And I guess technically not a, a hypothetical, but uh, a, a question piggybacking off of that. So we just have assessed that the Broncos are terrible. Their defense is terrible. It's going to be terrible. And the Chargers are pretty good, give or take. Um, second half uh, yesterday was putrid from them, by the way. Uh, it, probably because Herbert uh, broke his finger or something like that. And obviously no Mike Williams, but a little disappointing second half uh, from them. But nonetheless, the game in week 17 is Chargers- at the Denver Broncos. And so, A, if you just use defense from last year, you would say that's not that good of a matchup for the Chargers, right? Because Denver's had a decent defense. Not, it wasn't amazing last year, but they had a decent enough defense for the last few years. And then you compound the fact that you're like, Denver on New Year's Eve? No, thank you. I'm going to go to one of the Dome games, right? Would you rather have potentially bad weather against one of the worst defenses we've seen in goddamn forever, would you rather risk that for the best matchup on the board or go to a dome, you know, that just because you know that the weather's a little better, like sign me up for the guys facing the Broncos every week. Like, yeah. I, you know, the Broncos and the bears, I, I understand there's weather risk, but guess what? The, the defense still sucks in the bad weather. Like, okay, they might not catch an 80 yard bomb, but they're probably still going to score some points. And so um, for, for a dome game that Aiden O'Connell starting in. Let's just yes. say that he's starting week 17. Right. Like we saw that game. We saw that situation yesterday, right? Would you, ra and to your point, would you rather have that game where the Colts just kind of run clock as much as they possibly can go and win 14, 17, 20 to nothing, 20 to three, 20 to 10? Or would you rather have the upside of that Chargers offense that actually is going to get some pushback on the other side because mm -hmm. Russ is. You know, I'm not going to say he's cooking, but he's, you know, he's preparing the meal a little bit. He's, he's doing some meal prep over there. Like you're getting something out of him at the, at this point in time. So I, I totally agree. I just think it's, I think it's something that like, as soon as I hear it next year, I am going to roll my eyes. And if I'm ever on a show with somebody doing it, I'm just going to call them on it. Like, cause it's, how do you not at this point? I'm going to try to do it right when after we'll do a schedule release show and I'll, I'll go through all the bad weather games that we have <laughs> that we uh, have to fade side note on the bears Broncos game. I mean, I love the, if you're a, you know, a sicko like all of us are and all you watching, you love the bad team shootouts, right? The games that nobody watches on, on the Sunday ticket or on, you know, they don't show up on red zone or whatever, because nobody gives a shit about Broncos bears, you know, the two worst teams in the NFL. Those yep. are the best fantasy games, right? I mean, it's the two worst defenses in the NFL and just total anarchy and chaos. I mean, uh, it seems like Javante Williams is okay. There was a, that was another injury that uh, I kind of forgot. It also does not seem like Chase Claypool is okay, by the way, not injury related, uh, uh, but uh, being told to stay away from the team now clearly there's something going on with that guy but uh good for everybody else i guess that you know there's more playing time to go around for all the wide receivers but that that game was just total anarchy almost 500 yards of total offense from the bears another another thing that was a big talking point over the course of the whole summer was it was never 
that the the Bears offense was going to be so bad we couldn't draft those guys, right? What was the talking point with Justin Fields and DJ Moore specifically? They run too much. Did mm-hmm. their pass rate? Do you see how much their pass rate has to regress? And and I I, I understand the Bears suck, and if you drafted them. Other than this week, you're probably not that happy with those guys. But again, going back to the process over the results type of type of stuff that we've mostly been talking about here on this show was like, that's not like how regression works. That's not how pass rate and stuff works. Like you don't start with what you did last year. You start with a like a basically a league average baseline and work your way around there. And look, they're so bad. They have to, they can't run, they can't do what they did last year. Like NFL teams don't operate in that way. Justin Fields threw 35 times yesterday or something for 340 yards and four touchdowns. Like the passing volume, if you faded them for passing volume, I hate to t- hate to break it to you, but the passing volume is there. They're throwing, they're dropping back yeah. to pass. It's just, they suck, <laughs> you know, and they've had a couple bad matchups, but also they're not very good on, on offense. And so, that is like another like little bit of a lesson. It's like we try too hard to be too precise in our projections as opposed to just being like, okay, yes. Are the bears going to be the pass heaviest team in the league? Of course not. But like, let's just create a range, you know, and slot these guys in based on some, but let's not again with the weather weather, let's not try to be too precise. Where is it going to blizzard in week 17? We don't really have to do that. Like we, we can, we can, you know, draw better conclusions. We can use better information on all of that. And then the only other thing that just the Broncos, Oh, the Broncos are going to be that bad team that you just don't want anybody from. Uh, they did score a defensive touchdown yesterday. So that's, it is what it is. But uh I know I think Sutton scored again yesterday, but they threw 27 passes, I believe, to 11 different players <laughs> on the offense. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sean Payton, I think we as an industry gave Sean Payton a lot of credit. It was all Nathaniel Hackett, right? It was Russ. It was Nathaniel Hackett. It, Sean Payton is going to come in. It can't get worse. And it technically hasn't gotten worse, like offensive scoring wise. But from a fantasy perspective, this dude doesn't give eight. You know, like Patrick Mahomes didn't give a shit about your your bet on the Chiefs <laughs> last night. Sean Payton does not give a shit about the fact that you drafted any of his wide receivers because he's going to play Lil Jordan Humphrey and Adam Troutman and Brandon Johnson and and Jaleel McLaughlin. Shout out to the the all of our thesis on. Well, P. Ryan will be good early in the season before Javante, you know, gets back up to no, he won't because J- Jaleel McLaughlin Cause, cause is none of them are. <laughs> yeah, they all suck. And Jaleel McLaughlin's getting the getting the work now. So uh the Broncos are just it is what it is. They're gonna stink, and I think it's gonna be Stidham probably uh later on this year and not Russ. I imagine they'll try to get out from underneath Russ unless they magically still- win a couple games. I just don't know why you would go to stick. Like, I understand that if it was like a young, young quarterback, but Stidham has been in the league for so long that I just think that going away from Russ wouldn't make a ton of sense for them. So I'm like kind of still optimistic that Russ finishes out this season and then they get rid of him. I don't think we're, it'd be so funny if it was the Derek Carr situation and Stidham was the same exact quarterback, but because he's, I just don't I just don't think they're going to do it. I think they're just going to run with Russ because they're paying him so much goddamn money, try to get out from him next year. What I'm curious about is not Russ, but do they try to move Judy? Do they try right. to move Sutton? Like that feels like the play for them. If I if I were in the front office, it's like 
clearly we need to rework this this offense for the future. Getting something in return for one of those two guys might make more sense. And it feels like Sutton would actually probably command a little bit better of a deal for them because Judy is – I don't know. Judy's chirping on Twitter too, so they might just move him. Yeah, I don't. Judy's been just the guy that shows flashes over the course of his early career, and has just—it's never really like I think we perceive his talent to be better than his talent is. Like his name and his draft capital, right? Went to Alabama, was a part of that insane group of wide receivers, and I think we've—he could move on. You know, I'm not writing him off. He could move on. And to another place and and pop up it could it could just be a denver issue for jerry yeah. judy but like some of the people have said russ isn't playing that bad and i didn't mean it to sound like russ is playing I actually don't i think russ is playing fine generally speaking yeah. he, he's he's not the problem it's basically no. everybody no. else it's basically everybody else on the the whole roster but stidham is signed for next year they gave him a, a, two, a two-year deal and it would just be to me like if they win enough games to where you know, they're not, they're certainly probably not going to get Caleb Williams. That's not over. I guess I don't want to, I don't want to say that, but it seems reasonably uh, tough to get Caleb because there's some teams that are pretty bad in the NFL. Shout out to the bears, but um, you know, they should have lost if they wanted to get in that, the Caleb Williams. I actually don't know if they have their pick this year, so it might not even matter. Uh, If I remember correctly, they might not have their pick. So it would be like a, do we want him to be the guy next year? Let's see if Stidham is better than Russ because we know we're going to cut ties with Russ and eat a little bit of dead dead money type of situation. Like I said, I, I have no idea how it's how it's going to play out, but these are th- like the types of things that are going to happen this year. I don't know who it's going to be. Like people are drafting Kyler Murray. He, he may not play. Josh Dobbs is playing really well, generally speaking, for Arizona. Other than to see what they have in Kyler, they don't have a lot of real reason to bring Kyler back, right? The Broncos, Sean Payton has no ties to Russ. We talked about that all off season. They could just see what they got instead of right. You know, the bears, they don't have a lot of reason to bench Justin Fields either, but you know, if they're Owen fucking 12, like <laughs> anything can happen. Like anything can happen with yeah, these really true. bad, these really bad teams. And on the flip side, we saw the alternative to that. Anything can happen when the team's undefeated, right? Eagles, Benched all their guys in the week 17, the, the biggest game of, of the year. No one's predicting any of that. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I think the Eagles are going to lose it a few games this year. That defense is not very good. Um, but like all this chaos is like the whole thing. It's the whole game, right? You were last year. If you drafted 100% Hertz Eagle stacks and 100% Jags Lawrence stacks, you were so fucking right that it's not even funny. It, like you could not, you probably advanced like every goddamn team that you drafted. And guess how much money you won in week 17? Not a goddamn cent because <laughs> your whole team sat out <laughs> in week 17. And it's just yeah. like all that chaos is important to, to keep in mind when we're, we're analyzing all this, that it feels like we know everything through four weeks. And we certainly have learned a lot, but so much shit's going to change and so much stuff isn't going to change. But by the time the fantasy playoffs get here, it just doesn't work out the same way it has so far this year. Uh, two things. Let's just hit this last point on the Broncos. The Javante Williams stuff, I wasn't drafting him. I feel good about that now, and I think I'm going to kind of, until we're proven otherwise and science is updating every single year and getting these guys back quicker and quicker and better and better, but if it's as bad as his was, like because we talked about how his and Brees Halls were different, I think I'm going to be comfortable just fading guys the next year off the – off the really bad ACL MCL stuff 
going forward until we're proven otherwise by more than one case. And Brees Hall still looks good off of his, you know, never good to tear an ACL, but like a better he injury. Looks than, awesome. He looks, he looks awesome. amazing. <laughs> and if Zach Wilson can do what he did last night on a somewhat consistent basis, they're going to have to keep giving Brees Hall the ball. Um, that looks like it's going to be a home run going forward. Yeah. I think let's uh, I want to hit, I apologize to the chat. You know, we got a lot of things to talk about on, on Mondays. Uh, I want to hit some of these comments, but then I do want to talk about uh, Jets a little bit because obviously there's one game and that was a very different outcome than we've seen from Zach Wilson for several years now. But I think it's really interesting to think about moving forward. Uh, this is actually like a, a funny question. Cobra Kai says Nico Collins or Jamar Chase rest of the season. Give me Nico Collins if I had to guess, because I think Burrow gets shut down within a month. Um uh, I actually am going to bet the Cardinals this week as as well. Um, home dogs to to the Bengals uh, and Arizona looks pretty punchy to me. Uh, so I, I, I just I just can't back the Bengals, but I would still take Jamar Chase uh, over Nico Collins to your point. But the fact that this is not like totally insane, uh, I think it's Chase pretty clearly, but it's I understand where you're coming from, like in a season long managed league. If I went, I don't know who the Texans play next week, so uh, forgive me. But just like in a net neutral matchup, and I was like, I got to win. I'm I haven't won a game this year, and I had to choose between Nico and Chase. And you said, just give me the comfort level of the guy in the better offense. I would not think you're totally crazy. I think choosing Nico over Chase is forgetting about the fact that sometimes teams struggle in the first month and Jamar Chase is a top five wide receiver in the NFL. And also his floor has still been high, even with the Bengals scoring three points a game, basically he's still getting there, you know, reasonably speaking in, uh, in fantasy, whereas Nico still had some duds, even though he's been awesome. Um, but I think this is like an interesting thought exercise in terms of where do you value Jamar Chase after a really bad month and it not looking more importantly, it's not looking great you know moving forward this isn't a raven situation where we're like ah we're worried just because it doesn't look very good so far but you know we'll give them time to get better this is like a lot of systemic issues from the Bengals and a, a quarterback that rushed back from a from a calf string yeah but this is also technically has to be a get right week for them like has they to. have to get right against arizona the nfl needs them to get right against arizona too so <laughs> yeah. uh just uh, be a little careful about betting on the Arizona Cardinals this week. Well, they opened as seven and a half point home dogs to the Bengals. And I hate to tell you, but the Bengals should not be seven and a half point favorites no. against fucking anybody. Certainly not on the road, uh, but it's bet way. It's bet way down. And that might've been the, the preseason opening line. But anyway, um, I think that that is totally fair. Another interesting one, Michael Wilson over QJ and Josh Palmer. Uh, this isn't exactly what uh, uh, I would um use as, as this example but it does go to show you that like talent does matter mainly for josh palmer but also i never thought qj was any good as a prospect either so it's a little bit of hindsight bias for me that he hasn't popped yet plenty of season um anything can happen especially without mike williams and they, they need somebody man they need somebody but josh palmer uh, had 20 yards receiving until the very last play of the game. Uh, they actually were up by seven, third and 10 at their own like 15 yard line. They chucked a 50 yard bomb to Josh, to Josh Palmer. Otherwise 
it would have been a really, really bad outcome in the, the first game in a great matchup without Mike Williams. And he's just not that guy. You know, he's just, he's just not, he, he, I'm not saying he's not going to have good games because I don't think Michael Wilson is that guy either. And he just popped off for 80 yards and two touchdowns, but like, this stuff matters, right? Like the, he was like a contingent value bet basically. And he's not good. And like, we talked about the Niners contingent value, like Brandon Ayuk stepping into another role has the chance to break fantasy. Josh Palmer stepping into a better role is like, yeah. please God, get me a couple 15 point games. Um, and, and, so. and we saw Johnston's like route participation go up yesterday. Not like his snap count as much, but I forget the exact number, but he ran a bunch of the routes that were dropbacks yesterday. And I he think sucks. <laughs> he wasn't great, but I think that you're seeing that they're trying to advance him over Palmer in the long run. And I also think that yesterday's Raiders game to a point you brought up earlier was just a, let's get in here. Let's get the win. We have the bye week. We'll have two weeks to reevaluate how we're going to play off- offensively going forward. And I think that's when you're going to start seeing QJ, get more run than he has been getting would be my guess. Could I be wrong on that? Of course it's the NFL where we're not the, you know, the teams don't always do what we want them to do, but I think it's trending the right way for him. Not saying he's going to be a superstar either, but he, he might be out there running enough wind sprints. I think, I, I think he will. I think he will be And their better days are ahead for both him and, and Josh Palmer. They're not going to score like no fantasy points. Most weeks it's when you play with Justin Herbert and you're out there running routes like even Jalen Guyton caught long touchdowns every once in a while and that dude's the king wind sprinter (laughs) him and Chris Hogan holding hands running wind sprints every every week this is definitely how I felt as well having tons obviously as uh, everybody knows I have tons and tons and tons of Sam Howell and tons of commanders and uh, the first two weeks were fine and week three was absolutely devastating to the old (laughs) portfolio when your quarterback uh, just literally scores I think he had one or like 0.8 fantasy points Fun fact, the Superflex tournaments, you know, <clears throat> I think this one might have been big board Superflex, but it was one of the Superflex tournaments on Underdog. I have a team that has five quarterbacks. Uh, I punted quarterback. Howell and Ritter are my first two quarterbacks. And then I had three backups. Mike White, Gardner Minshew, and Bailey Zappi, I believe, were my three backup quarterbacks on that team. Not this week, but in week three, Two of those guys were starters. I used the score of Mike White and Gardner Minshew over Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter last week. So that goes to tell you some of the variation in some of these guys like Sam Howell. But uh, yeah, good good bounce back for him. Yeah, lots of Bengals comments in the chat. Anything Bengals is looking rough. Yeah, um, like you said, this this is it, man. This is this is the week. Some of the matchups have not been awesome. I know the Titans. Uh, are a, a pass funnel defense that we love to pick on, but they, they do have a, a pretty good pass rush. They have like four sacks in every game this yeah. year. Um, and with the Bengals offensive line and Burrow not being able to move, that ended up just being too much. So this week, right, we talked about this with A-Chain. This was a little bit of howl for me this week against the Eagles. Like, dude, if he laid another stinker, you know, Ron, Riverboat Ron, uh, a tugboat Ron was going to be, uh, you know, thinking about Brissett. So to have that game was really important. The Bengals got to do it here because their schedule is brutal. Bills, Dolphins, Ravens, all those guys upcoming on the schedule, and uh, it could get out. Of, this could get out of hand. Like they could What's be one and se- they could be like one and seven. Um, I'll look it up while you're talking. I just it just it, th- this is the team that needs the bye week. They're week seven. 
So, I mean, they got to get to the bye. So they go week five against Arizona and then their other two weeks. Usually you don't like that early bye. They could have used the week five, yep. week six yep. bye this year for sure. They needed it badly. So they need it. I don't know. Burrow. I, yep. I think they're going to be, I think they're going to, they're going to, there's going to be some positive regression for them. Like it almost has to be. Like it, it's just impossible for them to be this bad. What sucks, I thank God I'm not like a huge Bengals like fan like of the team because this was supposed to be the year. Like this was mm-hmm. like kind of a make it or break it year because next year is going to be real tough when they pay Jamar Chase, you know, eight eighty billion dollars or whatever they're gonna have to pay him, <laughs> and they lose T. Higgins and free agency or something like that. Cause they're not gonna trade T. Like they're just no. not gonna be out of it enough to do that. But they might lose T. It's just it just it's all signing up to be like an absolute disaster for them. Yeah, that's making me hungry. KFC. That sounds good. Um <clears throat> good segue into what we were gonna kind of touch on here as we get closer to the end. Jonathan says uh, the answer to which Chiefs wide receiver, obviously discussing last night's game with the Jets, Chiefs. I think it was a, a really good game uh to bring up for best ball because I actually have a slightly different take on on this one. And I think I feel reasonably confident the answer to which Chiefs wide receiver was Rushy Rice. I feel like pretty confident in that right about now. And again, four games, who knows? His role could not expand. You know, that's just how it goes. Um, But I think if anything, we have mostly learned that Sky Moore is not a difference maker. I'm not saying he won't play. I'm not saying he won't score fantasy points. I just mean like on the NFL football field, at least not yet. He's not a difference maker. And I think Rice, every time he's out there, he's not Jamar Chase or, or Justin Jefferson, but he looks like a guy who can be a difference maker. He's good with the ball in his hands. Um, he's he, he had a bad drop last night, but he, he's making some plays amongst a group of guys who never make any any plays at all. And I know it's fun to dunk on Tony and week one was terrible and he's still not running a ton of routes. But I think the thesis of why you drafted mainly rice and Tony and sky uh, somewhat was that uh, uh, you were betting against all these other guys. You were betting on the fact that there's the talent will win out the the ability to earn targets will win out. And I feel most confident in rice, but I I'm holding it. I'm keeping a candle on, you know, keeping a light on for, for Kadarius Tony over the course of a season to have some, some good games. I'm not excited about him right now, but I think the guy I am excited about, and I actually wish I had more of, I know you have a ton of is, uh, is rice. I feel pretty good about him. Yeah. I think the other thing with the chiefs is they, they don't need the buy quite the way that the Bengals need the buy, but it's going to be helpful for them. I think they are missing. Um, what's his name? The guy that went to Washington quite a bit. Um, the offensive coordinator that moved over to the enemy, enemy. I think they, I think you can see signs of them missing the enemy. And I also think you can see signs, you know, throw last week out of the enemy helping that Washington offense quite a bit. So one of the things we were always wondering was, is it all Andy Reed is the enemy just kind of there. I think the enemy did help this offense more than we thought. Mm -hmm. And I think they need to reevaluate how to go forward in that situation. So the bye week's not going to hurt that team. They don't absolutely need it, but a I think you're going to see the Chiefs put it together a little bit more. Obviously, I have to think that because my Chiefs fans <laughs> are are packed and we're ready to go, baby. Um, something I wanted to ask you about, 
as I was, the other thing I was thinking about, because this is what we do when we're sitting on our couch on Sundays and watching and thinking about best ball and all these things are going through our head. And the question I always get asked is like, are you upset that you took so much of the elite quarterbacks and stuff? So I started looking at the second round players that went into the third round. And like, because those were the guys that would have to absolutely be studs this year mm -hmm. to be upset about taking those guys. So we're talking about, you know, mid, mid second to mid yeah. third. Right. So we'll say like the, hell, I'll give you the 17th pick. Like this is, this is a rough, but it's like Devonte Adams, Saquon Barkley. And these are guys that were going before the quarterbacks too, but yeah. Devonta Smith, Chris Olave, Mark Andrews, T Higgins, then it's Mahomes, Hurts, Allen, DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley, Lamar, Ramondre, Debo. Are you upset if you took these quarterbacks over almost any of those guys that I mentioned for the most part? Like, they're all kind of mid, but at least mm -hmm. like Josh Allen is giving you some spike weeks. Hurts is giving you some spike weeks. Mahomes, for the most part, is giving you a floor at the quarterback position and if he had gotten that touchdown last night that he needed would have been very big for yesterday because a lot of quarterbacks did not get there yesterday yep. other than like Hertz and, and Josh Allen and a couple others. So I'm still not like totally out and this can change, right? Some of these guys, Waddle can just start popping off a lot got, I guess, bring Jamison or do something. I don't know. That was, but that was, that that was fucking painful. We'll touch on that quickly too. Yeah, but, but just sorry to 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 just to to answer that. What I was just gonna yeah. say is, I don't think I would draw any conclusions one 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 way or, or the other. I think if you went ham on those quarterbacks, I think you feel fine. If you full faded them so far, I think you feel fine. Of course, your yeah. teams, you know, with uh, some of those guys feel better than than others. But I think it's one of those so far. You know, I, a I don't think there was a right or wrong answer to begin with. It was, you know, we talk about that all the time. Personal preference. Both you and I saw the thing and did opposite uh, on this specific subject. But like, yeah, I, I'm fine with my DK Metcalf teams. Do I think he's a slam dunk over over whatever Mahomes? No, I don't. Alan, I would be right. Yeah, yeah I, I have good teams that have Geno as QB one. I have good teams that have. Mahomes as, as QB one, I think you can win. So like, that's not the breaking point of your teams right now, basically is what I'm saying. That, that whole range is not the issue for if your teams are bad. It's also not the reason you're winning if your teams are good so far. So um, yeah, we'll definitely be assessing that because it was such a big thing over the course of the summer, but I wouldn't draw anything just yet. Probably talk, too early. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jets though. I know we just like briefly touched on it. It's it's one of those where it's the thing that's the most fresh in your mind because we watched it last night and because it was so out of left field. Zach Wilson against the Chiefs defense that frankly has been really good so mm -hmm. far this year. Um, and he was awesome. Uh, he, he nearly outdueled Patrick Mahomes. I, I thought he looked great. I thought, you know, not every throw was perfect. And he was tip, a little bit more typical Zach Wilson at the very start of the game. But man, I... I don't know what happened, you know, kind of mid second quarter, early second quarter. The play calling was good. He got locked in. He, he was accurate as all hell on some some tough throws, making good decisions. He was getting the ball out really quick. 
Collinsworth is kind of obnoxious, but he brought that up and it was really, really true that Spagnolo was like a blitz heavy pressure kind of guy. And he was coming after Wilson a lot early. And then they pivoted, the Jets pivoted and he was just picking them apart, getting the ball out really quick. And he stopped blitzing them. And it's like, that's really surprising because Spagnolo didn't stop blitzing Burrow when Chase, <laughs> the, two years ago, Chase had, you know, a billion yards and four touchdowns on him and he wouldn't stop blitzing Burrow and he stopped blitzing Zach Wilson. And so probably a blip. Uh, it's hard for me to imagine like the light <laughs> flipped on all of a sudden uh, in the middle of the game last night for Zach Wilson. But knowing that that's in there somewhere is really positive i think for if you have Brees or, or garrett wilson or if you're a freaking lazard slappy or you know something like that like i feel good about my Brees and garrett wilson teams good is a relative term uh compared to like <laughs> it felt like a coffin you know because you drafted those guys for aaron Rodgers last night at least gave you a little bit of hope and i think it's reasonable to have a little bit of hope even though we know Zach Wilson probably turns back into a pumpkin, but I think it's okay to have some hope. But I think it also, to some of the point you made, is play calling. Like, it felt like he was immensely handcuffed the second and third game. There were certain spots where they were running plays, and it's kind of been a problem across the entire NFL where they're just running plays that don't make any sense. But the Jets especially weren't allowing him to even – run plays to push the ball downfield and when he had to he it felt like it was in his head like it almost felt like someone told him never throw the ball past five yards or never throw the ball downfield unless we 100 tell you to do it and like those restraints were kind of opened not that they're giving him command of the offense like aaron Rodgers would right aaron Rodgers walks on the field he has it's, it's he he's, wants, he's the oc yeah yeah he's the oc right like that's not who that's not what they're going to do for zach wilson but allowing him to be a quarterback he'll have failures because he's zach wilson but at least giving him the opportunity to fail at a higher level like in terms of you know making plays mm -hmm. feels like it's going to be the difference for them and allow you to actually have some faith in garrett wilson getting Hell, would he have 13, 14 targets last night? Something like that. I mean, I think that's what the hope that we need to see is that the playbook's kind of open now. And mm -hmm. they're in panic mode in terms of their their record. So the playbook has to be open. You can't rely on winning every game in the NFL 10 to 3. It's not 1975. So <laughs> they need the quarterback to actually make some plays. So I, I think that they're going to allow him the chance to. I'm not saying he's going to do it every week, but I think he's going to have the chance to do it every week now. And I think the big thing, as you mentioned with the, the play calling was not just that they were, you know, letting him let it rip a little, a little bit more, which, you know, also is important for his play style. Aaron Rodgers is very much a, actually, you know, I know he takes shots. He's, he's a hall of, he's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. He's actually very much like a dink and dunk guy. And Tom Brady was, it was as well. People forget that, mm -hmm. that they hit some big plays. Of course they're amazing, but a lot of their game was getting the ball out quick. Oh, First, second read's not there. Check it down, right? Check it down. Keep moving the chains. Get three, four yards. Zach Wilson is a lot more of a gunslinger. Now, he played much better and in control last night. But, like, that was his thing at BYU, right? He freaking runs around. They, they called him Mormon Mahomes. Like, that was his, his nickname in college because he runs around like a madman. Got a big arm. Whatever. So, you you can't expect that guy. It's, it's actually how I feel about, like, Sam Howell, too. He's a little bit more of a gunslinger. You can't expect these guys, especially young players, to have to convert a bunch of third and sevens constantly, right? Against the blitz, against pressure. The other team knows you're throwing. 
you know, all those kinds of things. You need to be creative in how you call plays. And the, the segue, why I'm thinking about this is definitely Dennis is asking about Pickett. This is the Steelers problem. It's not their only problem. They got a lot of problems, but this, when you watch them, we talked about this last week because you get Steelers versus Raiders and it was <laughs> Tweedledee and Tweedledum uh, coaching on both sides there. And it, it's like, watch the Steelers run, run, pass, right? Najee two yard run, Najee three yard run, third and five. Oh, incomplete. Go punt, right? Oh, and then you might get a first down pass from the Steelers, right? Oh, incomplete. Guess what's happening on second down? Najee run. <laughs> and it's like, you are handcuffing your quarterback who's not that great to begin with right this isn't rogers or brady or mahomes where you don't give a shit like the chiefs don't give a fuck what you know what down and distance it is for patrick mahomes the guys he can how many did he convert last night a bunch of third and 20s or whatever these kids are not that so you you can't do that you can't put them behind the sticks and you think you're helping them right it's these boomer ocs that's the that's the old like like establish the run that sets up the pass for this quarterback like it goes the opposite you need to use the pass to keep the defense off off balance they never know if you're throwing or running right all that kind of stuff is so important for these young quarterbacks and i think we saw that with Zach Wilson last night a lot the first few weeks like you mentioned is yeah. like Brees run okay if Brees didn't get a long one all right bring Dalvin in Dalvin run <laughs> oh shit third and seven like Zach Wilson against the Cowboys third and seven. It's, it's, that's not going to be a good, a good down for you, you know? And so it, it made me think of Pickett in this, this question. Um, you, Atlanta Rock, feels that way too. Atlanta so, is absolutely that way. And yeah, Ritter stinks. Yeah. Look, Ritter is fucking horrible. I, I, I'm, you're not going to hear me say anything positive for him, but Arthur Smith is the king. of. He might, him. he might call a first down pass, but then it, when Ritter, Ritter makes a mistake, guess what second down is run. And I'm not saying, you know, Bijan's awesome and Algier is a good player, but like you, he just puts Ritter in a lot of bad situations too. Now, Arthur Smith, mm -hmm you know, is much better at this than I am. And Ritter uh, is a problem, but like people are calling for Heineke and like, it, it it's such a funny thing that like it, the backup is always everybody's favorite player, right? The, the mm -hmm. Bailey Zappi again is everybody's favorite player in new England. We saw that song and dance. We have seen this song and dance with Taylor Heineke. Like I know Ritter sucks, but we also know that Heineke sucks. If he was any good, other teams would have wanted him or he would have succeeded before in Washington. He had a couple of decent games. Guess what? Every quarterback has a couple of decent games. We just talked about Zach Wilson having a really good game last night. Taylor Heineke is not the answer. He is a potential stopgap down the road. They have to see what they have in Ritter. My guess is he sucks and we might see Heineke later in this year, but like you can't call for the backup who you know is not good either. <laughs> like immediately like Heineke is not unlocking pits and, and all these guys. Like that's an offensive systemic issue. Um, maybe it would help, but like it's not turning Kyle Pitts into the superstar. We hope that it is. It, it's a future quarterback. That would be, yeah. that would be that, that kind of a thing. Um, uh, but yeah, pick it to, to the, the picket point Rob mentioned earlier that, uh, uh, he, he's, I guess, going to try to push to play. He did not blow out his knee, which is good. Um, I believe that was the, the report, but we'll see. Um, I would not expect him to play, but it doesn't seem to be a long-term issue. Although I'm not sure how much Kenny Pickett's going to, going to help you. Uh, the Steelers offense doesn't, doesn't look too good. Not a ton to take away from that one. I don't think not a really great. future, really future performance against the Texans. They're scoring six points. I know no Deontay and I know. Pickett ended up getting hurt, but you got to score more than six points on the Texans. The other total, total just disappointment for me um, outside of Bengals, outside of Steelers, 
and you know a couple of these other spots was the Saints. I know Derek Carr kind of rushed back with an injury himself, but if he's so hurt that they had to play this little league gimmick checkdown shit, he should have not played. That was an embarrassment to football. 14 targets for Alvin Kamara, 13 catches for 33, 33 yards. <laughs> I've never seen that before. I've never seen that at any level of football ever. Certainly not in an NFL football game with a talented player like Alvin Kamara. I know like it's probably good that uh, you know you're you're feeling good because he got a bunch of work, but uh, pff, the offense has got to get better because he's not going to get 14 targets every week, right? Like it, that's not going to happen. You don't want that bad. You, you don't you don't want him getting 14 checkdowns because that means the offense just sucks. I know it feels yeah. good because he scored 20 DK points, but like you need them scoring, moving the ball and scoring points. And I thought the Saints were going to have a, a not like an awesome offensive season, but like they had a great schedule. Obviously, they are in in a dome. I think their defense is okay, and I th- I thought Carr would help. You know, help facilitate a little bit, but. They're a disaster. They are a stone cold disaster. Um, I, I don't have a lot of hope for them either. They had to play Jameis yesterday, and like when I was drafting that team that came in third, I took Alave because I'm like, I know Jameis doesn't play the way he used to under Dennis Allen and the and the Saints and stuff. He's not like he's not the guy that you're stacking the defense against and him, and he's going to go out there <laughs> and throw six touchdowns, four to his offense, two to the defense type of deal. But he still would have been better than whatever the hell happened yesterday. Yesterday, to your point, absolute embarrassment. I I know Derek Carr wants to play and you want to see your quarterback grit through it, but not at the detriment of the team to that effect. Like if you're thinking 90% Derek Carr is as good as 20, I mean, as good as 100% Winston, whatever. But that was like 50% Derek Carr or whatever it was which Winston would have definitely been the better option there. Hell, play Taysom Hill at quarterback over whatever you did yesterday. Right. Like, it just – it was garbage. Um, It it does not leave me loving the Saints for the future. Hopefully, Carr's better, but come on, bro. Like, if you're that bad, do what's better for the team, not what's better for, you know, the ego of – I'm not, and I'm not saying Derek Carr is an egomaniac, but it, it feels very ego-driven for him to be on the field between him and his head coach. Yeah, it, it didn't. It just really didn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, this is a, a totally reasonable point. Falcons should take the losses with Ritter if Ritter's garbage. Why win games? Uh, and you have to trade draft capital to get up and get a better pick. The problem is, as bad as Ritter is, they're gonna win games. They're two and two. Mm-hmm. They're like every they're. they're Every, I believe, uh, is it them or the, no, it's the uh, 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 AFC South. Everybody's two and two. But, I mean, in their, the Falcons in their division, everybody is, like, all bundled up, garbage. right? They're um, all garbage. The Bucks are three and one. The Bucks are three and one. But three and one Bucks, two and two Saints, two and two Falcons. Like, they're right there. They're going to be in this division race. No matter how much we hate <laughs> them for fantasy, they're going to win some games. Uh, that's just what Arthur Smith does. And this is actually a talented roster. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to wish away this season. I mean, hopefully we'll bring in a bunch of money in a, a, a few months, but uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to also not looking forward to the discourse around it, but I am looking forward to uh, next year when they bring in a new quarterback uh and and see if we can actually get somebody that can complete a pass to to all these amazing weapons because my goodness Bijan London Pitts 
is 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 fun to is fun to watch them run routes and not catch passes <laughs> and fun to watch Bijan run but if we can ever get a quarterback they are going to be uh very fun yeah this is shout out to the Broncos what a what a total train wreck um <laughs> we covered just about anything was there any other like kind of big takeaways that uh caught your eye from from week four in particular yeah Bill, uh, Bill's Dolphins we didn't talk too much about Bill's just laid the smack down a little smidge um uh, not worried for the Dolphins, but Teron Armstead went down again. They're their you know best offense lineman. Their left tackle got hurt again. Um, I, it, it hadn't mattered too much against bad defenses when he's been out, but when you the Bills have a very good defense, we saw that against Washington. We saw that here against Miami. Um, so I think the Armstead thing matters against some of the really good defenses, but you know they're going to score points regardless, and their defense stinks. So that's good for them in terms of shootouts. Like, please, sweet Lord, baby Jesus, let me get a Dolphins Ravens stack to the uh, to the Week 17 finals because that'll be a lot of fun, no matter no matter how it shakes out. And Achan looks like he has. I'm not saying he's going to get 30 to 50 points every single week, but he has carved out a role in this offense that he they cannot deny putting him on the field right now. Correct, right? Like yeah. it's just the backlash he would get from from the fan base in general would be awful. I'm not saying he's going to go in there and take over everything, but you're going to see HN on the field going forward. And that feels very, very good for probably a lot of us. Cause I know I have some big HN bags going on. Yeah, definitely. Definitely good. I think he's never going to be like a workhorse, but you don't need him to be most are still going to get to play. Um, if something happens to most Jeff Wilson will fill in for that other, other role, but he's going to have a very strong role. And my God, he looked, you, you couldn't hardly dream of a better fit. I mean, Tyreek is the best fit for the Mike McDaniel offense, but uh, as a running back, I'm not sure you could, you know, McCaffrey, but he's a fit for everything. Uh, This kid, the way they, you know, create explosive runs and explosive plays with their running backs. My God, he is, he is something fun, something fun to watch. Um, Only other thing. Another big game from Puka, another big game from the Rams uh, offense. And there were some comments in the chat about like being worried about Kyron. Um, let me just say that of all the people you've drafted in best ball, right? You, you drafted hundreds of players. The last player I would be worried about is 20th round Kyron, <laughs> Kyron Williams. Don't work like I, yes, he's getting a lot of work. Running backs get hurt. That could happen. Of course. Are you worried about every player on your team? I mean, maybe you are, but are, like, are you worried about every player on your team that's playing snaps in an NFL game getting hurt? Like it's possible. Don't, 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 don't let that seep into your brain. You're going to have guys get hurt. Don't plant. Don't like stress yourself out ahead of time. Like it's going to be bad enough, right? If you had Chubb or Mike Williams or whatever, it's going to be bad enough. Don't stress yourself out before it happens. He's at no more risk than anybody else is to getting hurt, even though it feels like, oh, he's getting, you know, he's playing a lot of snaps. Yeah. I mean, I think the interesting thing for the Rams is what do they look like offensively with Cooper cup back? I don't know how much of a backseat you can get Puka. Does that mean Tutu gets lost in this? Puka definitely has to regress a little bit with Cooper Cup out there. I don't know how much, though. It's I'm looking forward to seeing what it actually looks like. I don't know. I don't know how to I don't know how to gauge it. But if you gauge it right for DFS the first week, you could probably (laughs) make a lot of money is what I would say. I'm just excited to see him since they've been so good um, with a skeleton crew out there. You had one of the best wide receivers in the NFL and you probably remove some Van Jefferson <laughs> from, from the offense and you get a big time field stretcher in two, two and Puka's clearly good. And 
Uh, Puka is clearly awesome, but he's not, you know, he's a rookie. He's a late round rookie. He, you know, we saw two weeks ago, you can stymie him at times with certain defenses. He's not a totally perfect player, right? He's not Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup. He's very, very good. But bringing in Cooper Cup, you know, is going to probably take away some of the 30-point games from from Puka Nakua. But in terms of, like, making the offense better, making things easier on him rather than him being – him and Kyron Williams have to carry the whole goddamn offense, and they're not that good. Like, they're good NFL players. They're not that good. You put Cooper Cup in there. I'm just excited to see what the offense looks like. Hopefully Stafford can stay healthy. Um, but I'm really, Hopefully really Cup excited. Can stay healthy too. Like that's yeah, the other yeah, thing good point. right now. We need him to stay healthy as well. Yeah. Interesting to see how they look. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I think Puka, there's going to be some Puka regression. And then to your point, he's just going to have some explosion weeks. And I wish we had known in the off season that he was part of the breakfast club. I know we it's found, bullshit. We found out afterwards that he asked to go to the breakfast thing and all this other stuff. Like if we, if I had known my Puka exposure, which is already kind of decent would have been through the roof. I would have had so much Puka if I knew that he was eating breakfast with Matthew Stafford. In hindsight, we should have figured this out though. He's from BYU. Clearly, mm-hmm. you know, we can connect the dots with his, uh, school history. Like shout out to, to, I don't think a kid named, Chatarius is his real first name. Chatarius Atwell, aka nicknamed Tutu, is probably not the first guy to walk up to ask to get in the Breakfast Club. Whereas the kid from BYU probably is a is a better bet. So just something to build into our Sims for next year. You know, everybody's <laughs> everybody's everybody's touting all their Sims, which is a goddamn hilarious thing that we'll get to in the off season, I'm sure. But uh, you know, something to keep in mind is our our Breakfast Club analysis has got to get a little better. Yeah, we got to get better on that. Make sure we're looking for those reports from the beat writers. Definitely. All right, we're going to get out of here. We got uh, you know, a half hour or so before Monday Night Football. Please, please, please give us a good game in Seattle. Give us some points. Um Oh, you asked about the elite quarterback type stuff. And I got a fine game from Howell. Uh, Tua was a, a pretty big disappointment. Most of the cheap quarterbacks were a disappointment. So Gino is my last hope uh, this week for, for basically all of my, and Daniel Jones um, for my, my cheap quarterback. So we need good quarterback play tonight. And for the love of God, throw the ball to JSN just once, just to see how it feels <laughs> just once, just, just to try it out. We will be back. Tomorrow night, Spike Week Sickos Tuesday show, breaking down everything that has happened that we haven't touched on, particularly from tonight, Monday Night Football, any new news, injury news. We're going to look ahead to the upcoming week. And we got Best Ball Resurrection. We got DraftKings drafts. We got all sorts of stuff that we can start to break down, maybe even hop into a draft tomorrow night. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Enjoy Monday Night Football. Peace. Those were some spicy takes. Want to stay up to date with all of the other spicy takes we're going to have over here at Spike Week? Why don't you press that subscribe button below? You turn notifications on, we draft a team, boom, you know about it. We have another spicy take, boom, you know about it. You can be there. You can draft with us. You want to stay up to date? That's how you do it. All right, we'll catch you later next time here at Spike Week. Spike Week.